Greetings, this is the Bridgetown Daily. I'm Tristan Collins, and today is Wednesday, February 24th. Here in Portland, we are still in the shorter days of the year. The sun comes up late, the skies are gray with rain, and then the sun goes down early. These are dark days, both literally and metaphorically. For some of us, there is an inner darkness due to all these social constraints caused by the pandemic. Many of us are feeling the darkness we hear from the news. And some of us are dealing with conflict with our spouse, family, or friends, and it feels so dark. The story of the Bible begins in the dark, and this isn't any ordinary darkness. It's described as a darkness hovering over an abyss. This abyss is also described as formless and void, meaning a chaotic, lifeless wasteland. What is God's response to this darkness? We read, Darkness was over the face of the abyss, but the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. I love this image. God enters into the darkness. God settles over it like a bird hovering over an endless dark chaos. It's an image of hope. The rest of the Bible continues with this theme. God enters into the darkness. This is what the story of Jesus entering into the world is all about. The Gospel of John describes Jesus as the true light that gives light to everyone. And Jesus, God's light made human, experienced the darkness we experience. This is why the author of Hebrews can say this of him. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weakness, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace and help in our time of need. Throughout scripture, God tells his people that he will never leave them. Even though they are in pain and chaos, God shows up. He's always there. Psalm 34, 18 says that God is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. God draws near to us in our pain. God listens to us and God suffers with us. In the book of Hebrews, God says, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. This is an important theme in the Bible. God enters darkness to be with us. No one teaches us to fear the dark. The dark is disorienting and dreadful. But even worse than being in the dark is being alone in the dark. But if someone is present with us, suddenly the darkness becomes less dark. Their presence changes the experience. My youngest son is seven years old and he's afraid of going down to our basement by himself. But if I go with him, he isn't afraid. The basement isn't less dark when I'm there, but the darkness loses its power when we're in it together. When we face the dark by ourselves, we are vulnerable to lies. These lies say things like, God has abandoned you, no one cares about you, or your life will always remain this dark. These deceptions can come from our flesh, the world, or evil, but the truth is that we're never alone and that God always offers his presence and light. Another theme in the Bible is that we represent God on earth. That means, just like God, we are called to enter into darkness to be with others. There is a great image of this in the book of Job. It's about a man whose life turns dark with pain and chaos. His livestock is destroyed, leaving him in poverty. Then all of his family dies, leaving him all alone with no hope of future generations. On top of that, painful sores cover his whole body. Every aspect of Job's life is marked with pain, suffering, 
and darkness. Then three friends of Job show up. Here's what it says. When Job's three friends heard about all the troubles that had come upon him, they set out from their houses and met together by agreement to go and sympathize with him and comfort him. When they saw him from a distance, they could hardly recognize him. They began to weep aloud and they tore their robes and sprinkled dust on their heads. Then they sat on the ground with him for seven days and seven nights. No one said a word to him because they saw how great his suffering was. This is such a beautiful picture of how to respond to someone's suffering. Job's friends began by just being present. They felt Job's pain. They grieved with him by tearing their robes and sprinkling dust on their heads. They sat silently with him for seven days and seven nights. They could see that there were no words for this type of pain. If you're like me, I'm more familiar with all the ways that Job's friends responded poorly to Job's suffering later in the story. Ultimately, they didn't understand why Job was suffering and eventually increased Job's pain with their overbearing words. But before all of that, stop and notice, Job's friends gave a wonderful gift, the gift of their presence. Job's world went dark after all his loss and pain. His friends entered into his darkness and Job's pain became their pain. This is what we call empathy, to feel what someone else is feeling. Their silence was not an act of indifference, but an act of solidarity. What we need when we are in the dark is the presence of others. Entering into someone else's pain is a beautiful and sacred act. Like God, we can show up in the darkness. Job's friends dedicated a week to sitting and grieving with Job in silence. And we have this opportunity as well. When the world goes pitch black, allow others to be with you. And notice, Job's friend's first response didn't use words. Some pain and tragedies have no words to adequately reflect the situation. At times, silence in our presence is the most appropriate and helpful response. Words can bring life. It's God's word that brings life and order when he enters the darkness and says, let there be light. But our words can also increase suffering and create chaos, so use them wisely. Unfortunately, later in the story about Job, his friends increase his suffering with their words. Job says, I have heard many things like these. Miserable comforters are you all. Will your long-winded speeches never end? I could also speak like you if you were in my place. I could make fine speeches against you and shake my head at you, but my mouth would encourage you. Comfort from my lips would bring you relief. I used to think that as long as I had the motives to help someone, that I was doing the right thing. Over the years of being a therapist, wife, parent, and friend, I've learned that even if I have the motives to help, I can inadvertently increase suffering with my words. Job's friends really did love him and wanted to help him with their advice, but instead, they wounded Job with their words and were miserable comforters. And so a great strategy for entering into the darkness with others is to listen and be present. When it's time to use words, use them with great care and have the humility to acknowledge our limited perspective. When you're brokenhearted, it's painful to hear that the reason for your suffering is due to little faith. And when you're feeling overwhelmed with sadness, it's painful to also deal with feeling misunderstood. And when you're experiencing the chaos of grief, 
It's painful to hear someone tell you to look on the bright side. As James 1.19 says, be quick to listen and slow to speak. When I have felt inner pain and turmoil, the greatest gift has been people who have listened and validated my pain, sadness, shame, fear, and anger. We need compassion. The literal meaning of the word compassion means to suffer together. To clarify, validating feelings is not the same thing as validating behaviors. I can validate a person's sadness and anger and still allow them to be responsible for their unkind words or behavior. So what does this look like in a time of a dark pandemic winter? We can't gather together. We can't go and sit together. We can't even hug each other. But let's remember this. We don't have to be physically present with others to be emotionally present with them. Being emotionally present means giving your undivided attention and validating emotions, especially difficult feelings like anger, sadness, shame, and fear. During this pandemic, we can still connect, listen, and give our attention to each other. We just need to be creative and flexible and willing to reach out. We can show our love through actions like writing letters, delivering food, or flowers. These are just a few ways to demonstrate our presence through our actions. Recently, I heard an old interview with Dallas Willard before he died. Willard was a philosopher who is well known for his writings on Christian spiritual formation. The interviewer asked Willard this question, where do you start with Christians who feel deeply broken? Willard answered saying, you tell them to stop trying and you encourage them to sit in the presence of God. Let's take some time to sit in the presence of God. Take a deep breath and exhale. If you can, close your eyes and ask God to reveal where you feel darkness in your life. Maybe you feel disillusioned, numb, and the future looks bleak. God is with you. Maybe you're angry at God and all the problems in this world. God is with you. Maybe you don't believe or sense God's presence. God is with you. Or maybe the decisions you have been making created the darkness and chaos in your life. God is with you. Jesus is called Emmanuel, which means God with us. Jesus took on the pain and darkness of this world so we can have his light within us. Let's close with a prayer from St. Patrick and envision this prayer with me. Christ with me, Christ before me, Christ behind me, Christ in me, Christ beneath me, Christ above me, Christ on my right hand, Christ on my left, Christ when I lie down, Christ when I sit down, Amen.